Welcome back to the best college football pick and pod in the land. Of course, we always come to you from bellyupsports.com, and we are here for a week 11 ATS pick and pod. And this week, I have with me Zane Chapelier taking the place of Alan Denton, who's taking the week off. I'm Thomas Black, and Zane, we are here for the final four weeks of the ATS Pick'em competition. It is going to be a mad dash to the finish as we try to chase down the top of the leaderboard. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing all right. The season has flown by and, you know, I'm glad to be back on the podcast talking to you, filling in for Alan. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I know it's been a while since we have touched base and since we've recorded here on the show together. I know some people are getting your picks by email every single week, but what's your thought process been like as we've worked our way into the second half of the season? And as we're looking at an ATS pick'em board, a leaderboard where you've certainly been heating up in recent weeks. I have too, and I feel like we're trending in a good direction, but of course we need to keep that going if we're going to end up near the very top of the leaderboard. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit of hot and cold on the ATS side. I mean, I've had four seven win weeks, but I've also had some real down weeks. Just got to do a little bit better job honing in on those locks. Overall, my record's not bad, but I've had a couple of locks really, really surprise me. So just trying to lock in on those. Of course, of course, of course. So as we look at the leaderboard, Zane, as we always do, let's go ahead and take a look at the top of the leaderboard where we have very impressive play from our leader at the top, William, who's been in first place for some time now, has 61 wins on the season through the first 100 games. He leads the way for $175. In second place, we have a walk-on, Jorge, who has 56 wins on the season and leads the way for $75. And in third place, my wife, Kristen, is up there just in third based off tiebreakers. She has 56 wins as well and is leading the way for $25. Each of these spots gets a t-shirt. And for those of you who have been partners with the show, you already understand this. Or if you're new to the show, if my wife, Kristen, finishes amongst the top three, then her prizes go out to our team members. That's our walk-ons. That's our team captains. That's anybody in the future that joins at a higher level. So Zane, we've got impressive play at the top. We've got the prizes. We've got a ton going on and very impressive picking up there at the top. And you know, now we get to see here in the final four weeks whether anybody can chase down William and just who might fall in those final three spots as we go the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, William is far and away leading the pack, but both him and Jorge, both of them have only had one week where they were below 500, and for both of them, that one week was a four-win week. That is incredible picking. It definitely is, and those guys are definitely deserving of the top spots that they own at this point in time. Zane, more specifically, as we look back on Week 10, you had a solid week going 6-4. and four. You are now 13th in the standings. You were 18th a week ago, so you climbed a good bit. You're sitting just outside the top 10 with a 52-48 and 48 record. Think about that. Right now, you are only four games back of second place. Your standing can change in a heartbeat with a very solid week and some rough weeks ahead of us. And I tend to believe we're in a week where we could see a lot of changeover up at the top of the leaderboard. I think a very challenging week on the ATS side. So how are you feeling about your standing overall? And what do you think about your locks this past week and anything else on the pick and board that stood out from week 10? So 
in terms of, you know, week 10 overall, there were some surprising results for me. Honestly, I did all right with the six and four record, but the Kansas State Texas game really surprised me. But Notre Dame was the biggest shock of all the games for me personally. That was one of my locks. The turnovers from Hartman, estimate being held under 100 yards rushing, and Notre Dame just not finishing off drives. Then again, Clemson has a phenomenal, phenomenal defense. So it's not too surprising that they held them to field goals, but I did not expect Clemson's offense to be able to uh, actually come out and perform the way they did. So that was probably the biggest surprise for me. As for where I stand, I'm fairly happy. I'm within striking distance of the leaders of the pack, but I don't expect myself to be able to catch William the way he's picking. I'd be happy getting into that top 10 and joining those up there. Well, I've also got to give you a little bit of credit as we look back on everything you gave out on your picks, because on the confidence picks, you handed out a confidence value pick on the Notre Dame side. Like you said, very surprising to you that Notre Dame ended up with the loss, but that coincided with your lock. You also handed out a confidence value play in favor of Washington at a very high level, which would encourage people to take Washington minus three and a half points in an ATS pick which you did. And you also won the better side of a lock block with me taking Arizona plus two and a half points versus UCLA. So really, you went one and one in your locks, but I'll also throw you an extra winner based off the picks you handed out. So really, with the Washington pick, even though taking Washington at a high level and confidence in a confidence value play did not automatically mean that you had to play Washington minus three and a half points, it did nothing but argue kind of in favor of people doing that in a sense, if you catch my drift. So really, Zane, I think you handed out amongst your picks on our email chain last week, a two in one week. And when you're talking about an against the spread pick them where we just have people picking at a high fifties, low sixties percent ranking up at the top, and you went two and one in the picks you handed out against the spread. I think that is a very favorable outcome. Yeah. I mean, I, I've only gave out three games for locks or value picks, but the two games that I did win actually went pretty much exactly how I expected them to with the Washington one. I said it was going to be a high scoring close game, but I expected the Huskies to come out on top. Did just that. And with Arizona thought it would be another close game. Both the teams were very, very close in my eyes, but I gave Arizona the edge due to home field advantage and they snuck it out too. So I was very happy with those picks. Just like I said, Notre Dame was, I was very surprised at the score line at the end of it. Sure. No doubt about it. Now, as I look at my picks a week ago in week 10, I also went six and four and I climbed from 12th place a week ago up to seventh. So I'm solidly in the top 10 now. I'm 54 and 46 against the spread on the season. And when you look back at my picks, Alan and I united together for a lock party win with Texas A&M plus four and a half versus Ole Miss. And even though Texas A&M didn't win the game, they were certainly close enough to cover the spread. So that makes me and Allen now three and two on the season in our ATS lock parties. And it now means that we have won eight of our last 11 going back to last season. So a continued hot streak there. I was about to drop the continued mention of the overall streak that we have going because we have lost two straight, but it is eight of 11 that we've won now. And I think a solid look at the fact that we have been continuing that run 
Overall, we are 8-7 and seven in lock parties against the spread, but that is going back to last year with our rough start last season during the regular season, but we have been on a run ever since. And when you look at the other picks I handed out, of course, I was on the losing end of the lock block with Zane. I took UCLA minus two and a half points. Obviously, clearly, I was on the wrong side with that. Probably one of my worst misses of the season. And credit to Arizona because that defense performed well. And they still found a way to run the ball, even against UCLA's defense. So a lot of things were off in that game based off what I thought. But when you look at the confidence value picks that we handed out last week, not only did I give a pick out for UCLA raised in value, we've already touched on that. I lost that on the ATS side. I lost that on the confidence side. But the additional pick that I handed out was Texas with a loss insurance pick against Kansas State. I thought there was a legit chance that Kansas State could win this game. And because of that, you could derive the argument that I would have been on Kansas State plus four and a half points. I was. I got the win there. And I'll tell you this. If you pick Texas in the game, minus four and a half points, Texas dominated the first quarter, quarter and a half of the game. And they easily could have run away with this thing if it weren't for a few plays that really just kept Kansas State kind of in the game. So if you pick the Texas side... I honestly don't even know that I would do the same thing going back and replaying this. It's just at the time and the outcome we had with Kansas State having a better second half, they were able to cover the spread, losing in overtime, but it did come out in my favor. So just like Zane, if you take my confidence value plays into effect, my ATS indications and my locks led me to a two-in-one week just as Zane did and the information that I handed out. When we look over at what Allen did a week ago, he also went 6-4. and four. He went up from 14th to 10th in the standings, so he is now in the top 10 as well. And he is now 53-46 and 46 on the season against the spread. And when you look at his locks, he was the other side of the lock party win with me with Texas A&M plus 4.5 points. That was a winner. He took James Madison minus 5.5 points at Georgia State. That was far and away an easy, easy win with the Dukes in the game against Georgia State. And then when you look at the confidence value picks that Allen gave out, he gave out the upset pick for Arizona as a winner. That would go along with the ATS win. And he also gave out a loss insurance pick against Oklahoma. He still had Oklahoma as a winner, but that would give the indication that Oklahoma State plus five and a half points was a good pick. So, Zane, when you tally up everything we did, you and I were on the opposite side of Arizona-UCLA. Allen and I agreed with Texas A&M plus the points against Ole Miss, so we take out a couple of things there. If you look at everything we handed out by our ATS pick-up pod, from our confidence pick and pod and from the email where everybody gets access to your picks. We had a week where if you sided with Zane in the lock block with Arizona plus the points, then if you followed all of our picks and took our indications on the confidence value plays, Zane, we led people to a six and one week. If people sided with me and took UCLA minus the points, of course that's a loss but people would have gone five and two by following our locks and our confidence value plays. So in my book, we had a tremendously successful week when we had a very challenging slate and one that, you know, you have outcomes in different ways, but we certainly led people, I think, in the right way against the spread 
in most of our picks this past week. And I think in a week where we only had one person go seven and three and a whole bunch of six and fours and a whole bunch of five and fives, we set people up to have a very, very successful week against the spread. So well done, sir, on your picks. And well done to me and Alan. I think we really did our job this past week. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you. And I mean, six and one as a combined effort between the confidence value picks and the ATS is absolutely incredible for that slate that we had last week. Yeah, I think it really is. And I'll put it this way. The reason I say we set you up for a good baseline, even if you took my side and took UCLA minus two and a half, and that led you to another loss, and we set you up for five and two. Zane, the way I look at it, we're picking as best we can tell the absolute most favorable outcomes in every single matchup. And when we set a baseline of going five and two or six and one, that leaves only three other games for people to pick outside of what we gave out. And if that means that people go one and two or two and one, I think the most likely outcomes with those games, you're talking about people that could have gone with our picks and set themselves up for a finish anywhere from six and four to eight and two. And we didn't have a single person win eight games this past week. We only had one person go seven and three. So I think we absolutely did the right job in setting people up for success. And just another little promo for how you can get involved listening to the show paying for a subscription on Patreon, getting access to those confidence pick pods, even jumping up to the team captain level, getting the emails that Zane sends out, because Zane, that's where we add value. Sometimes I'm going to be off, sometimes Alan's going to be off, sometimes you're going to be off, but I think the collective effort that we're putting out more often than not does end up on the good end. Yeah, the hive mind is going to work. Zane, if you're ready for it, let's go ahead and dive into some ATS locks here for week 11. I am ready. All right. Because we all went six and four a week ago, we look at tiebreakers, and I was only one point off of the tiebreaker for Alabama and LSU. Zane was two points off, so we were right in the same territory. But I will take us away with my first ATS lock. And Zane, I am looking at the SEC, where we have Ole Miss on the road as an 11.5-point road underdog at the Georgia Bulldogs. And we've got a Georgia team coming off An impressive, I think, win against Missouri, though it was tight, 30-21, to where they had a small advantage in yardage. They won the turnover battle 2-1. to Missouri was even in this game to the point that they were down six points in the fourth quarter with the ball at midfield and a chance to possibly drive the field and take the lead when Brady Cook threw an interception. That allowed Georgia to gain the separation, get another field goal. But you're looking at a Georgia offense that has – kind of transformed itself here in the past year. This is a pass-heavy team, at least in the sense that they have more success on that side. It's not that they pass the ball a ton, but Carson Beck has been really good with 72% completion percentage. He's thrown for over 2,700 yards, 16 touchdowns, four interceptions. He's gotten a good boost from Ladd McConkey coming back recently from injury. In the last three games, he has 17 receptions for 288 yards and a touchdown. Dominic Lovett has been good as well. In the last three, he has 17 receptions for 188 yards and two touchdowns. I point that out because we are in the realm where we have Brock Bowers out with his ankle injury after his tightrope surgery. He's a little bit in question for this week against Ole Miss because he's still recovering. He did start practicing this past week. He's been running, but it is doubtful that he's going to be back, so I'm not anticipating it. And then the running backs for Georgia have been decent. Dejon Edwards is averaging 5.7 yards a carry. 
and Kendall Milton is averaging 5.1 yards per carry. And when you look at Ole Miss, we did just have them in the pick this past week, and Allen and I benefited from a lock party victory taking Texas A&M plus the points. And you look at what happened in that game, the Aggies were able to somewhat contain Quinshawn Judkins. He had 102 yards on 23 carries, averaging just 4.4 yards per carry. And the team overall was definitely contained on the ground, 131 yards, four yards a carry. That's basically what I predicted. I thought the Texas A&M defense would be able to slow down the Ole Miss running attack. And my worry was that Texas A&M would give up some passing yards to Jackson Dart and company, and boy, did they. Jackson Dart was phenomenal. He threw for 387 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and Trey Harris was an absolute beast. He went off for 213 yards on 11 receptions and a touchdown. But when I look at Ole Miss, I am looking at the best teams they've played this year and their offensive output and what they've done. At Tulane earlier this year, they were held to under 370 yards. At Alabama, they were held to about 300 yards. Against Arkansas, they were held to just under 350. At Auburn, they had 425. Even though that's a solid number, it's still not an explosive, explosive output from Ole Miss. So this past week, against the Texas A&M defense that is talented, but has some weakness, especially in the passing game. They really had a huge explosive day offensively for the first time against a real quality team. When you look at the Georgia Bulldogs, I think they have the defense to contain Ole Miss once again, and I look at the Georgia Bulldogs to have success against what I think is a very average Ole Miss unit. And I'm looking at a team, Zane, that I think with Georgia, you have a team that is very, very, very likely two scores better than Ole Miss at the very least. Alan and I talked about the concerns last week with Ole Miss and that we think their record is not really indicative of the quality of the team that they are, though they've benefited from winning close games and things like that. And I think the Bulldogs are at least two scores better than Ole Miss And I could get in trouble with this because what if it's a 10-point game? But I am locking up the Bulldogs minus 11.5 points because I think frequently they are two scores better than Ole Miss. And I think there's a chance they could on certain good days win this game by three scores. So I'm absolutely locking up the Bulldogs minus 11.5 points. That is a big game to go with a lock on. And I have no doubts in my mind that Georgia wins that ball game. My only concerns with Georgia lie in essentially their performance against the spread this year so far they've only beat the spread twice against UK and Florida but with them at home against Ole Miss I'm agreeing with you on that I think for sure I will be with you on that play even though it is not going to be one of my locks I agree with your take on it especially with the dogs at home Yeah, I like it. I think the home field advantage is big. And like you said, with only a couple of wins against the spread on the season, I was very concerned about that earlier this season. But I do think Georgia has really turned things around a little bit, especially on the offensive side of the ball in recent weeks. So when you're talking about the games against Kentucky and Florida, that's obviously some of their more recent games. And I think you're looking at a Georgia team that has gotten up for some of its biggest opponents. Obviously, this is its biggest opponent yet, but I expect the Georgia Bulldogs will get up for this game, and I think that Ole Miss is going to have a hard time moving the ball on that defense, at least consistently. And Lane Kiffin is always 
a threat to scheme some guys open, and they might hit a couple of shot plays here and there, but I think that Georgia has the consistency on the defensive side of the ball to slow them down, and I do think Georgia should see an awful lot of success against that Ole Miss defense, one that just gave up 450-plus yards to Texas A&M and an offense that I really don't think is all that good, and I think Georgia is certainly better on the offensive side than Texas A&M, so I do look for Georgia to have a lot of offensive success in this game. Absolutely. And you can't really take into account Georgia's record against the spread because Vegas and the lines were not very fair to them early in the year, especially in comparison to what they are. They aren't the Georgia team of the last two years. I mean, they were consistently multiple touchdown favorites, 51, 42, 39 point favorites. In the last four weeks, they've gone two and two against the spread, and the two they lost were the 32-and-a-half-point favorite and a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. Those lines are starting to become more realistic, and they are the much better team. They should be able to clear Ole Miss by 14 points. I like it. Zane, where are you going for your first ATS lock this week? I'm going to Oklahoma State. Two-and-a-half-point favorites against UCF. One thing I actually was looking at this week when I was looking at their strength of schedules is these two programs happen to have quite a few common opponents. Both have played Cincinnati. Both have played West Virginia. Both have played Kansas. Both have played Oklahoma. UCF beat Cincinnati, lost to WVU, lost to OU, lost to KU. Oklahoma State has cleared all of their challenges in terms of common opponents. And that is a big factor for my decision-making of taking Oklahoma state at minus two and a half and their rushing game with Gordon. The second is just incredible. Ollie is one heck of a running back and only just a sophomore already putting up 1200 yards with 12 touchdowns. I mean, his last three games, he's had two touchdowns in the last two and against West Virginia, he had four touchdowns over 130 yards in the last five games. The kid is incredible. I'm just not seeing where UCF is going to be able to make up the difference, especially with Plumlee's tendency to turn the ball over without the offensive passing touchdown output to make up for it. So I'm taking Oklahoma State at the minus two and a half. This is one that I will be on the same side as you are, but it is not a lock. And it is one that I will defer to the consistency that we've seen with Oklahoma State in recent weeks. But it is a game that I very much anticipate is going to be very, very close. These are two defenses that struggle an awful lot. And they both happen to struggle an awful lot against the run. And what do their offenses do best? They run the ball really well. You already mentioned with Ollie Gordon the second. He has been amazing. Let's throw in the fact that you already said he's run for over 1,200 yards this year and the fact that he was barely active at all for this team in the first, what, three or four games of the season. Then you flip it over and look at what UCF does. Sure, John Rice Plumley struggles a little bit protecting the football, especially in the passing game, but I think you find some similarities there with Oklahoma State and Alan Bowman. But what the Knights do well is they run the dang ball. John Rice Plumley is an active threat on the ground. R.J. Harvey at running back is solid as well. 
and Oklahoma State struggles on the defensive side against the run just like UCF does. So I think you're going to see both of these sides have an awful lot of success on the ground. I think you're going to see a lot of yards and a lot of points put up by both teams. I think it's a shootout, but again, UCF has been the team that has more consistently found ways to lose. And while that is true, you have to also look, I think, very closely about the fact that while they lost to Oklahoma – They were very, very competitive, and that went right down to the wire with the chance to win that game, even when they got outperformed early. And Oklahoma State, while they won that game, still a very close, very competitive game. So I think that this game, to me, does feel like a very, very tight game. It's why I did not lock it up, because I know a turnover here or there could flip it to the other side. But I will be siding with Oklahoma State minus the two and a half. I can't blame you for locking it up. And the fact that it's under a field goal also feels pretty good for locking it up, because nearly any type of win you would get with Oklahoma State would be a cover. So I do feel good about that, and it's why I'll be on Oklahoma State minus two and a half. If this number was bigger, though, I would be very tempted to go with UCF plus the points, but I will be on Oklahoma State minus the two and a half as well. Yeah, I mean, like you said, both teams are very heavy in the run game, but my biggest concern is the turnovers. You mentioned that Bowman also does have a tendency to turn the ball over, but when we're looking at total turnovers, Oklahoma State's at a plus five, UCS at a minus five. So whereas both teams are very heavy run teams and very, very good heavy run teams, the turnovers can easily switch the momentum and turn the tide of that game. Like you said, all it takes is one turnover to change everything, especially when it's heavy run teams. That's why I like Oklahoma State and they've proven they can sneak out those big games, those close games that UCF hasn't quite been able to put through. Yeah, no, I think that's an absolute factor in what you're looking at with these teams and one why I think you're probably going to see an awful lot of people picking Oklahoma State minus the two and a half. And I just hope it comes out as we're saying. It's just going to be, I think, an exciting, fun game to watch. And like we have across our entire pick board, because we have a ridiculous slate with nine of our 10 games on the CBS side with spreads of four and a half points or less. So as Vegas is indicating, a lot of tight games. And I tend to think that's more likely going to come out to fruition with a lot of these matchups. So Zane, I think we're looking at an incredibly fun Saturday to watch these games and it'll be fun to see which side they come out on. But for some people, I anticipate we're going to see some ugly, ugly records on the ATS side. And I just hope you and I and Alan end up on the good side of it along with the listeners of this podcast. At least hopefully our locks pull through for us at the very <laughs> least. <laughs> very true. Because if we hand out some locks that are successful and it sets people up for a good baseline, and then we crash out on everything else, and our listeners get the opportunity to win some of those matchups that we lose, that is a benefit to them. So I hope that we is absolutely our the job. case. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. As I look at my second ATS lock of the week, Zane, I'm going to one of our other biggest spreads on the board. I'm looking at the Big Ten, where we have the Michigan Wolverines on the road as a four-and-a-half-point favorite at the Penn State Nittany Lions. And I will say, as I go into this one, this is a week where I nearly hate every single line on the board on the CBS Sports Pick'em. So I really only had a couple that I was looking at that I felt even good about, but I will zone into Michigan and Penn State in looking at a couple of teams that 
are prominent in college football, but we have not seen very often. The Nittany Lions, we've seen a couple of times. Michigan, this is our first appearance, along with like we're talking about with Georgia, just based off the fact of the competition, and we've had some big spreads with these teams. But let's start with Penn State, where we had them in Week 8 most recently at Ohio State, and when you go back and look at the picks that we handed out in that game, I did not lock up Ohio State on the ATS side minus the points, but I did end up going with the Buckeyes minus the points on their home field, and I handed out a confidence value pick of the Buckeyes at a 10 on the confidence board, and I came away from that matchup thinking that Ohio State dominated that performance unlike anybody else that week, just about. They outgained the Nittany Lions by 125 yards. Penn State went one for 16 on third downs. They only ran the ball 26 times for 49 yards, and that's including the sacks and the scrambles that were involved with Drew Aller. Aller himself only went 18 of 42 passing for 191 yards and a touchdown. Keandre Lambert-Smith, their top wide receiver, was held to six receptions for 52 yards. And what has Penn State done since? They've won a game versus Indiana, 33-24, to where they were actually outgained by seven yards by the Hoosiers. They won the turnover battle, and Indiana went one for two on fourth down. So a couple of opportunistic things go a little bit different way, and you could be talking about Indiana coming very, very close to beating the Nittany Lions. And then this past week, they won 51-15 to at Maryland. Absolute domination. But this is a Maryland team that is in a slide. They've lost four in a row including losses to Illinois Northwestern. And when you look a little bit more detailed at the matchup, the Nittany Lions benefited from having 27 of their 51 points, starting with drives in plus territory. So I really have not changed any opinion of Penn State. I think their offense is very limited. Drew Aller, while he is a talented quarterback, I think has been underwhelming. And the run game, though they have talented running backs, has not been very good. And they're going up against a Michigan team that has a very comparable defense to what Ohio State fielded in the game that we saw in Week 8. When you look at Michigan, it's hard to tell you exactly what they are this season because they've been extremely dominant against bad competition. Their closest game to this point has been by a 24-point margin, And when you look at J.J. McCarthy, he seems to have leveled up this year, completing 75% of his passes for 2,100 yards, 18 touchdowns, and three interceptions. But the reason I'm going to go with the side I am is looking at this Michigan offense. J.J. McCarthy's been solid. His wide receivers, Roman Wilson and Cornelius Johnson, are both averaging over 16 yards of reception. His tight end, Colston Loveland, is averaging over 15 yards of reception. And Blake Corum at running back, while he's still a star, has been a little bit limited. This running game hasn't been as good as I think anybody anticipated. He has about 650 rushing yards on the season. He's averaging a modest 5.2 yards per carry. But I'll say this. I think Michigan potentially has been holding back things offensively that we have not seen to this point. It's because they've been playing against lesser competition all season long, and when they have maybe the best defense in the country – going up against a Penn State offense that I already think is pretty limited, even on the road. I think that Michigan's better than Penn State. I think it's pretty clear, and it's just a matter of how many points are they better and how many points do I need to absolutely guarantee a Michigan cover in this game. When they're a a four-and-a-half-point favorite, Zane, I think there's potential that if Michigan gets to 20, 
maybe 24 points, that might be enough for a cover in this game. And I think there's potential that they can get there. I do not expect this to be a high-scoring game by any means. I think these defenses are going to be pretty dominant. But I think Michigan's weapons offensively give it the opportunity to score more consistently. And when I only need a few scores maybe a few touchdowns to get a cover in this game because I think Penn State's going to have a hard time scoring. I'm going to lock up Michigan minus the four and a half points because I think on most days, I think they're probably seven to 14 points better than Penn State. And if this is a really tight, low-scoring game, I might very well lose this. But I think Michigan's going to come out on top pretty frequently in this matchup because of the Penn State offense. So I'll lock up Michigan minus four and a half points. And if it happens to be a three or four-point game, you know what, chalk it up to Penn State for keeping it close. But I think Michigan comes out on top. So I will very happily lock up the Wolverines minus four and a half because I think there's opportunity for them to win this game by maybe 10 or 14 points if everything goes really, really well. But we'll see if that happens. I completely agree with every single thing that you said, but I'm going to tell you what your biggest factor is that you probably didn't think about. And your biggest factor in Michigan coming out on top of this ATS is thanks to the Fox Sports Network. Fox Sports making this a big noon kickoff and not being a primetime game in Happy Valley is the biggest assist to the Michigan Wolverines they could get. Because us up here in Big Ten country know just how hellacious Mm -hmm. that place gets at night. Yeah, Michigan should come out and win this game. And this is actually a game I will be covering in the Confidence Value Pick'em Pod. But yeah. I agree. I'm going to be taking Michigan, the four and a half point favorite, but Fox Big Noon, I think, may have played a little bit of salvation because that place at night is a different beast. That is fair enough. And I did consider that myself. But man, I just think when you look at this Penn State offense, it is problematic. And I think more so than anybody imagined. Their run game has been really just underwhelming and I think they're going to have same troubles against Michigan and if Penn State figures out a way to get to 20 plus points then my lock is probably in big time trouble but I think if you can imagine yourself talking to the listener if you can imagine Michigan getting to that 20 21 24 point level in this game or a little bit higher then I think you should strongly consider taking Michigan minus the points. If you think they're going to struggle to get to that mark, I would say possibly go on the other side. But I just think Michigan's offense is probably going to find the way to move the ball more effectively throughout this game. And it might be a lot of punts, and it might be pinning Penn State back and then getting another opportunity with an offense in good field position that makes the difference in this game. But that's kind of what I'm looking at. And I think a low-scoring game that Michigan's defense, I think, has more success than Penn State's does overall. Yeah, and Michigan's offense is going to be the best offense that Penn State has played thus far this year, far and away. I mean, the best team Penn State has played is Ohio State, and Michigan's offense is much better. Plain and simple, they have a better offense than Ohio State does. Ohio State managed to put up 20 and held them to 12 points. Ohio State's defense is phenomenal, but Michigan's isn't far off either, so... Penn State's going to have their work cut out for them if they're going to try to beat that four-and-a-half-point spread. All right, Zane, where are you going for your second ATS lock this week? So I am going to go to Kansas and Texas Tech. So Kansas is currently a uh, three-and-a-half-point favorite. And seven-and-two team. 
their two losses to Oklahoma State and Texas. Obviously, both of those are extremely good teams. They beat Oklahoma 38-33, beat Iowa State 28-21 last week. Whereas Texas Tech, they've struggled a little bit. <laughs> they lost to BYU, lost to Kansas State, lost to Wyoming, lost to Oregon early on. They really haven't had a big win against a solid program, right? Tarleton State, Houston, Baylor, TCU. Those are their wins. None of them really pop out at me. Then you go ahead and look at their stats. Minus six on the turnover column, only averaging about 28 minutes in time of possession, especially the turnovers. Losing the turnover battle loses games flat out. And if you have turnover problems, not really controlling the ball and having that time of possession to control the pace of the game also can be just lethal in terms of possibly winning. Then you look back onto the Kansas side. So Kansas, obviously, they're still not sure if Daniels will be back. I don't think he's practiced yet this week. So it looks like it'll still be Jason Bean. But he still played very well to this point with 10 touchdowns and only four interceptions. They have a solid run game. Their defense is not terrible. I think Kansas easily covers that three and a half point spread. Fair enough. I understand Kansas has been a solid, solid team this year. I do have a little bit of pause with this matchup simply because I do not think the Kansas defense is very good. And I think that Texas Tech has found some consistency at quarterback with Baron Morton. I also think Taj Brooks is having a solid season at running back with over 1,000 yards already. So I kind of look at both of these teams with suspect defenses and enough punch offensively that I think that they're both going to have success against one another. And I think with that in mind, I tend to believe there's going to be a lot of points scored by both of these teams. I think we're going to look at something of a shootout. And I've talked about it with you already that I do not like a lot of the lines on this board either direction real explicitly. So this is one that kind of falls in that same category. I'm not for sure that I'm going to be on one side or the other. Part of me kind of wants to take Texas Tech plus three and a half points just because I think they are going to score a lot of points. I think they're going to move the ball really effectively against a Kansas defense that is not very good. But I think you can also say vice versa, the exact same is true for Kansas on their home field. So in a way, I kind of want to look at Kansas being the more consistent team that is on their home field and is a relatively small favorite. I kind of like them minus the points. But because it's north of a field goal, I will say I'm considering Texas Tech. And it's one that I think we're going to have a competitive, tight game. I think it's going to be high scoring. And it could be the type of situation where last team who gets the ball wins. That's kind of what I'm looking at with this one. But I think it's going to be exciting. Either way, I think if you want to side with the consistency of Kansas, I totally understand that. And if you want to think about Texas Tech, because I do think they're lined up to have a really successful offensive day just as Kansas is, I think that uh, you could consider taking Texas Tech plus the points. But I'm very interested to see where this one goes and which side people line up with on the picks. And it's one that I'm not going to commit to. And just because of the sheer 
numbers, I think, of people who are going to be on Kansas, I might just side with that because I think it's something of a toss-up on the ATS side. But this is one that I've had some doubts with early in the week, so I'm not going to commit to it at this point in time. But I have to say the three and a half points on the side of Texas Tech is a little tantalizing to me just because I think both of these teams are going to put up a lot of offense. I think both teams are going to probably going to score a lot of points. Yeah, so when I was talking about Kansas's defense, yes, they give up a lot of points. But where I'm at in the matchup against Texas Tech is I think their defense is good enough to beat Texas Tech by more than 10 points. When I look at Texas Tech, they're really hot and cold in terms of offense, right? But they don't consistently score that three, four, five touchdown game. They aren't getting into the 30-point range all that consistently. Whereas with Kansas, even against solid competition, they are hitting that marker with the one exception being Texas, where they only put up 14. So I see Kansas's offense being way plenty explosive and putting up points on the board where they're getting into that 30, 40 point mark. Whereas Texas Tech against Kansas defense, I really don't see it happening, especially when you look at the turnover tendencies for each team. That's why I do have Kansas going into this week as one of my locks. Fair enough. I like it. I think you will probably see a lot of people on the Jayhawks minus the points. I mean, you look at what we typically do in these pick'em contests. You see Kansas as a ranked team with a seven and two record versus Texas Tech with a losing record and a relatively small spread. I think there are going to be an awful lot of people on Kansas minus three and a half. And this one to me would be if it was two and a half instead of three and a half, I would absolutely be firing automatically on the side of Kansas. So it's kind of that discrepancy for me. And I want people to understand as they listen to this, that's where I fall with this. It's because the spread is north of a field goal that I would consider Texas Tech. So that's why it's far away from a lock for me. Because it's north of a field goal, I'll consider both sides before I make a commitment this week. Yeah, and I can completely understand that. One other factor that kind of taken into account here is on the road, Texas Tech's only won one game, and that was the game against Baylor. They've lost on the road every other game so far this year. So just another small factor that goes into account for that decision there. Fair enough. I like it. Zane, thank you for your locks. I can't wait to hear what's on the other side as we go off to record a confidence pick em pod and as we give out some value plays according to the spread over there. So we've got a fascinating board with a bunch of small spreads. Zane, I hope you're feeling good about some confidence value plays because like I've indicated already, I do not feel good about much of anything on this pick em board, but it should make for a fascinating <laughs> podcast coming up and a fascinating weekend as we look at all these games that I think are incredibly difficult to predict and why we have such crazy lines with five of our games right now on Tuesday night being a point and a half spread or less. And that is something unique that I don't believe we've ever seen on a blackout podcast before with a pick slate like we have this week. So many of them could go either way. There's going to be a lot of differing selections throughout the competition this week. It'll be interesting to see how the top end of the competition do and what those records look like. That's for sure. 
And if you would like to continue receiving Zane's picks on a weekly basis, you can get those by subscribing to our Patreon account. That's where, as a walk-on or higher, you can get access to our Confidence Pick'em Pods. That's for $2.50 a month or higher. And if you want to receive Zane's picks on a weekly basis, those go out by email to our team captains and any other higher tier as well. And you would be able to receive that for $5 a month at a bare minimum. So Zane sends those out on a weekly basis. Every once in a while, he substitutes into the show as well when Alan needs to take a step aside. So Zane, thank you for your time. Looking forward to recording a Confidence Pick'em Pod coming up next and seeing where your picks land as we go over to the Confidence side and looking forward to seeing how these picks line up this weekend. It should be a lot of fun. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here.